Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James. Today I'm joined by Daniel Weezy, who's the lead physician associate for medicine at East Surrey Hospital and has been a PA in respiratory medicine for several years now. Thanks for joining me on the show, Dan. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. The reason I wanted to get you on was to talk about PAs in different specialties. And I know you've been in respiratory for a few years now, so I thought nobody better to talk to us about physician associates in respiratory medicine. I I was just going to say I've been working as a PA in respiratory since graduation, since 2012. I worked at St. Helier for a year. And then in 2013, that's when I joined the Surrey Hospital. And I've been here ever since. Okay. So you came out of PA school and qualified. What attracted you into a job in respiratory medicine initially? I knew, you know, after two years of kind of intensive PA training, you suddenly find yourself with all these new skills and new experiences that you've kind of come across on placement. And I wanted to be in a position where, you know, I didn't want to put myself into niche of a specialty. And I basically saw the job that was advertised at St. Helier Hospital. So it was a job in respiratory, but also kind of mentioned that it would be kind of looking after general medical patients on the respiratory ward. You know, I I kind of see the early, the early years of your physician associate career a bit like driving. You know, everybody learns how to pass their driving test. You you learn all these techniques, you know, checking your mirrors at certain times. And, but it's not until you actually start driving, you pass your test, you start driving where you really find your feet and you get confident. And, and I'd, I'd always felt like my early years as a PA was, similar to that. So yeah, respiratory kind of worked for me for those reasons. And I'm, I'm always subscribed to NHS jobs anyway, because I'm, I'm curious to see what's coming out and what's available. And I saw the post advertised East Surrey Hospital. I was extremely nervous and wasn't sure that I'd get the position at the time. But afterwards got the phone call saying that I was successful. And then had a discussion with them about uh, where I wanted to, to work, ideally. Um, at that time, I didn't have any specific affinity for respiratory but the the team there at the time uh, said look why don't you go into respiratory because you've already got a year of experience there and you can kind of build on that and continue and and i think the respiratory department would really benefit from somebody who has already kind of hit the ground running with the respiratory one of the questions that sprung to mind when you were explaining your career so far was to think about for any new physician associates who are new into respiratory medicine what would you expect them to be doing and to which level would they be working in, in their first 12 months? And what tips and advice would you give them? First few tips is just always, I guess a big thing is always look around the bed, you know, the patient setting, because there are a lot of clues there that you can pick up on. It's not, it's not always just speaking to the patient, it's what's around them. You know, the obvious one, you know, are they on oxygen? Are they not on oxygen? And that already gives, that already gives you a good idea of you know, their their state of health at that moment in time and, and whether you need to be more concerned or less concerned. It can be quite a visual specialty. Um, you know, patients with COPD that may be hyper-expanded, they might have a barrel chest. I remember at St. Helier, kind of, we'd always kind of very deeply assess sputum pots and look at the sputum because one of my consultants at the time said that was kind of the key to a lot of respiratory, kind of knowing what's growing in the sputum, what it looks like, uh, how has it changed from when they were healthy to when they're unwell, and and what is the sputum doing now? You know, is it is it clearing up? Could could that be a sign of, of getting better? 
I think for the your first first year at least, I, I wouldn't worry too much about you know what you're going to be doing long term and, and things like that. I, in terms of, I guess the big thing is appreciating what an unwell patient looks like, and you know, extremely important for PAs working. You know, when do you need to kind of get in touch with your seniors? I guess the important thing is knowing your own limitations, what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with, and not leaving yourself in a position where you're not comfortable by 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 seeking help. Safety is the the main thing. You know, we're all there to keep our patients safe and kind of doing the basics, you know, A to E assessment. That's the big thing that we're all taught. You know, really get that nailed down. Your first few years, from my opinion, should be about doing the basics well. And then once you kind of get those honed and feel a lot more comfortable with them, that's when you can start looking, you know, pushing up. Okay. That sounds like after your first year, you were really just finding your feet. And then how have you progressed in the years through your career into respiratory medicine? After a bit of time, when I've been on the ward for a while, kind of the consultants understood me, I understood them. You know, it, you develop a bit of a kind of a, a good working relationship with them. Um, and, you know, trust obviously develops between both of you, you know, for each other. Uh, one of the kind of things I started to do was one of my consultants had a specialist interest in um, PE, so pulmonary emboli and had a clinic and kind of mentioned to me one day, you know, Dan, you know, obviously you're on the ward every day, you know, doing jobs and helping the patients, but how would you fancy kind of, you know, looking into the clinical, you know, in clinics side of things. So that was something I started doing um, after a few years. Initially, it would be sitting in on his clinic and then it would kind of progress from that saying, well, Dan, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go see this patient now, but there's an, you know, the next patient on the list, why don't you just take 10 minutes with them, you know, 10, 15 minutes and talk to them about how they're feeling, what their concerns are, just, you know, start with taking a bit of a history and then, you know, do a, a you know, a brief examination. And then once I finished with this patient, I will then come and, you know, speak to you about, about them. Um, so. Yeah, it kind of started like that. Eventually, you know, after building confidence and getting to that point, um, I started seeing kind of my own patients in clinic. Um, so I'd have my own room, but patients off my consultant's list. And then, you know, I would see them first, kind of take history, examine them, and kind of talk to them about a preliminary plan. And then obviously the consultant would come in and say, Hi, you know, I gather you've spoken to Dan. That's kind of how it how it initially developed whereas now i'm actually you know i have my own list so i have kind of a set of patients every week that are coming to see me so i will see them purely by myself without presenting to anybody and i'll say look this is the likely plan for you and i and then i will dictate a letter based on what i feel the plan will be but before signing off on the letter i've got dedicated time arranged with my consultants the following week and i will go through the patient list with her and then she will say, yes, Dan, I agree with that. You know, why don't you just um, make sure that he gets this you know, repeat echo, uh, which is a physician associate we can order. Or why don't you book him in for lung function, things like that, and, and then make sure we see him in the clinic again in three months' time. If there's any patients from that clinic that I've seen that need kind of CT scans and things like that, that's the opportunity where she will request those for me. And sometimes she might say, Yep, you know, that's a good idea. Let's let's go for that. I'll order that for you. Or, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but actually maybe we should do this first. And and then based on that discussion at that point, I will sign off on the letter. 
and make any adjustments accordingly. I imagine when you first came out of PA school, you had a certain set of clinical skills like venipuncture, APGs, catheterizations, these kind of things that we learn during university time. How have you developed clinical skills and, and further things like that in your career as well? Are you doing things like chest strains or? Yeah, yeah, I am doing that now. Um, just uh, just for kind of all PAs that are just starting out, do not worry. When I, you know, gra- when I graduated and started working, I was awful at ABGs. I can't think about how many I missed. And you just feel awful when you miss. You're like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm, you know, I'm going to have to do this again, I'm afraid. But over time and practice and kind of seeing others do it and learning my own kind of ways of doing it, I have improved. And I, I would, you know, I'd like to consider myself a lot more successful at doing them now than I was when I started. But um, in terms of kind of other skills that you spoke about, so uh, plural procedures is probably the main one that I'm involved with. You know, I am doing chest strains now, but that's been quite a long journey. I probably started doing those about a couple of years into the job. And when I mean started it, you know, it was mainly just going with my consultant to the plural list that he had set up. And he would talk me through what he was doing, you know, saying, oh, look then, you know, I'm doing this first, you know, make sure that everything's sterile and this is the step, step one, step two. So I'd kind of absorb the information that way. But also the, the big thing was as a, as a PA, I was very aware of the, not negativity, but, you know, throughout, I'm sure every physician associate's career, they've either experienced or come across kind of complications from obviously us needing to train, but being aware of trying not to take away training opportunities from other colleagues. So with the plural list, you know, if I went one week, I'd always say, look, you know, I went last week, why doesn't someone else go next week? So it's been, you know, slow progress, but kind of every time I'd go, you know, I'd, I'd start you know, with my consultants, kind of almost direct supervision. I'd do a bit more and a bit more and a bit more until my consultant was happy that I was at a level that he, you know, he would deem competent enough to, to you know, start doing it with less supervision, indirect supervision, but still being there, you know, in the same room, but not directly watching over you. And it, it would just build up over time. And I'd, you know, at points I'd get him to kind of sign off to say, you know, you've done that and done this and it's, it's just developed. And then eventually I got, I got to the point where he was happy and my other consultants who've seen me do them say, look, you know, I am, I'm literally in the next room, you know, I am 10 steps away from you, but do you, you know, would you be happy doing a chest drain on, on this patient? I will not do any plural procedure unless i know that somebody is there that i can grab you know if there's any problems i can just immediately find that person and i think that's important as well knowing your limitations and knowing you know in the back of your mind you know what happens if this doesn't you know i've I've, you might think i've done this a hundred times and it's gone completely fine every time but there's always going to be that one time and what you always need to in the back of your mind to think who is around that can help me uh, with that is ultrasound, you know, learning about ultrasound, how to identify big kind of collection of pleural fluid so that you know it's as safe as possible. And kind of the, the trust here have been very good in terms of offering courses such as the famous course that we do, um, which helps you kind of identify big pleural effusions, and, you know, trying to do it in as safe way as possible, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Okay. Are there any other specific benefits that you would say? Obviously, the continuity is a big one. Um, that was going to be, yeah, probably my first point. The continuity, I think, is huge. Um, you know, and it, and it only really pays off once you've been there, you know, a, a significant amount of time. But I, you know, every four months, juniors rotate. You as the PA and probably the registrar are the only ones that remain the constant for that year. But then even after that year, the registrar moves. So then you become kind of really the only constant from year to year. And, you know, when the new juniors come, you know, they don't necessarily know how things work in the department. They don't know, you know, what days the consultants do their ward round. So I, I, you know, I can help them fill in the gaps. You know, the question might come up, oh, how do I refer to the respiratory nurse? Or how do I get in touch, you know, to make sure that this patient's put on the next MDT that my consultants asked me to do for, for next week? Not initially, you know, a physician associate initially probably needs a bit of supervision and and making and support, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. You know, they need to be supported. But as they get confident and and that relationship, you know, the trust relationship develops, you can allow them to start doing things more independently. And that's when it, it pays off because you've got a kind of a knowledgeable member of staff um, there who can kind of, you know, help you out. Okay, perfect. And I understand that your career at SASH has, has changed recently. You've taken on more sort of responsibility for leading physician associates in the organisation. And that was a really exciting opportunity. You know, I've, I've been at the Trust since 2013 and become part of the furniture, I guess I guess you could say. And I've always been very friendly with kind of the junior PAs and, and I feel we, you know, we have a nice kind of working relationship. And, and I'd reached I'd reached the point where I was probably coming to the top of the respiratory side of things, you know, in terms of doing what I could do, and and it's always nice to have a new challenge. So I, I'm I'm now lead uh, lead physician associate for medicine at the trust. Um, so I'm responsible for the the physician associates that are working within medicine. So I, I line manage um, the majority of them. But we've also got physician associates who are outside of medicine, so in surgery, psych, uh, obs and gynae, just to name a few. And whilst not being their direct line manager, I think as the, you know, as the lead, it's still your responsibility to make sure that they're doing okay. So I'll keep an eye on those as well. And it's my job to, kind of, if there's any information regarding physician associates, you know, any issues, things like that, it's up to me to to deal with those. And that's been a, a whole new challenge, but one that I've really enjoyed. But yeah, it's an, it's an exciting time for me at the moment. And I guess final question then from me is, where do you see your career progressing and developing in the future? Oh, this is always the difficult question. Uh, obviously, my respiratory side of things has, you know, I've improved year, year on year confidence and, and what I'm doing and, and changing ever so slightly what I'm doing. Obviously, I'm still doing the things I was doing in year one you know, with the kind of daily ward rounds, consultant-led ward rounds, seeing patients that have branched out a little bit. So, you know, clinics, more kind of advanced procedures, and now obviously the the lead side of things. So I'm now line managing people. Um, I'd always been quite interested in education, the educational side of things. I, you know, I did a postgraduate certificate at Brighton uh, around simulation, which was a lot of fun. 
and then kind of following that, uh, assisted with the kind of education of uh, medical students with their simulation training. And I think, you know, a lot of my peers, you know, even physician associates who are a few years more experienced than me, I, I do see them going into education. I do wonder whether I might be pointed in that direction in the future. Oh, brilliant. Um, which I think will give me a, a good grounding for the, you know, for the future, future years ahead. Oh, you sound like a busy man. And then continuing with the respiratory side of things, which I still love and enjoy and, and trying to be the best PA respiratory wise that I can be from that point of view. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy with everything. Excellent. I think that's a nice note to end on. And for anybody who's listened to this podcast episode and has questions about physician associates in respiratory medicine, would you be happy for them to get in touch with you and ask you things? How's the best way for them to do that? Yes, I'm more than happy. My my work email, I, I mean, it's probably a good place. Lovely. Yeah, that's probably the probably the best place to start with. I can leave links if anybody wants to find you. I'll leave your links in the show notes of this episode below so they can find how to get in touch with you there. Dan, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate you giving up the time. No, you're welcome. Thank, thank you ever so much for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed kind of spending this time chatting about you know, about something that we all love and we're all involved with and, and want to see it you know, continue to grow and be the best kind of profession that it can be. Excellent. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as well. I'll leave Dan's contact details in the show notes below if you want to find him and ask him any questions. And the Physician Associate Podcast is also on social media. You can find us at PA Podcast UK. And if you're listening to this on a podcast app, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a like or a review. It really just helps keep the motivation to keep making the show. Thanks, and I'll see you again next time in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Physician Associate Podcast.